Hi everyone, welcome to ESG Training and Literacy Basic Awareness Module. Um, I'm here with the Parlade guys who um, do the ESG Training and Literacy. Um, ESG is a very important topic for everyone at this point in time and uh, we're recording both a video and a podcast for this. So if you're watching on the video, the slides will come up on the video and if you're listening to a podcast, there'll be a link below where you can actually refer to the slides that go along with this. Uh, I want to welcome, firstly, Paul Godoyne from Parvate. Thanks, John. And uh, Jim Allenby. Thanks, John. Um, these two guys are going to walk you through uh, the, the slide deck and uh, explain to you uh, in basic terms where we're at with ESG. Uh, I may pop in with some uh, random questions along the way and um, we'll go from there. Welcome. Thanks, John. I think um, first point is, is to make around this sort of training module. This is a, a real basic literacy and awareness module. Um, this isn't a real deep dive into ESG, but, but more a, um, an idea of, of a bit of the process of ESG, what it actually is, um, how we're doing it down at Parvate. Um, and I think we're all seeing in the marketplace, uh, society in general, ESG is a big topic now. Um, it's not going away. And, and certainly at Parvate, we see it as a, as a real positive for business if you get it right. So um, just wanted to, to intro that with the, um, you know, we're going to cover quite a few topics in just a little bit of detail here. Um, and the ongoing series will we'll go into a bit more detail. So just going on to the first, um, the first slide here, it, environmental, social and governance make up the, the acronym ESG. There will be a few acronyms through this process, but um, please bear with us as we explain them best we can. Um, environmental is quite, uh, quite topical at the moment with net zero emissions. Um, various other sustainable initiatives are, are very popular at the moment and in the news daily. Um, so we can see four or five different sort of micro topics there on environmental, but, but certainly net zero is a really big consideration at the moment. Um, greenhouse gas emissions are, are huge. The carbon economy and the carbon market, carbon emissions are, are big, big topics as well. Um, we go to the social pillar. Um, and once again, huge coming out of COVID social, not just for, um, for society in general, but certainly in the workforce, um, workers' conditions diversity, uh, workplace health and safety, and a number of really important topics there are, are in social. Um, and then we go to governance or, or leadership as we often refer to it. Um, we see sort of board performance, um, board ethics, um, management styles, making sure we're looking after people there. I think in governance is a really important topic. And something I'll just say here, um, when we look at this slide, which is you know a few of the many topics in ESG, there's nothing there that companies, groups, organisations probably shouldn't be doing anyway. And a lot of the time what we're noticing is they're already doing it and doing it quite well. ESG is a good way to sort of capture that all in one place. It's probably, uh, I could add, uh, Jim, at this stage, uh, ESG uh, has probably been evolved from corporate social responsibility uh, into potentially non-financial disclosures and some financial disclosures as well. Uh, so there's been a little bit of an evolution and it's becoming... Uh, well regarded or known as ESG. Right. Um, just uh, to sort of backtrack you a, a slight amount there, so um, some of these requirements are, are already in place in, in European countries. Uh, and that, so how do we, I, I guess without sort of hopping ahead and getting too, too deep into it, how do you see, is that, is that what, what timeline do you think that's going to be for Australian organisations to, to actually understand where they need to go? Very good question and something we get asked a lot. Um, Europe and the USA are leading this. 
Um, I think the Northern Hemisphere are quite well developed in their ESG metrics, disclosures, expectations. Um, currently, it is linked to, to finance. Um, which is, you know, as we say to clients and, and people we work with, it isn't the only reason for doing ESG, but it, it's a pretty good one. Um, and I think certainly Europe, USA, uh, they're probably, you know, they're probably a few years ahead of us. Now we're catching up slowly as, as the metrics and disclosures become more uniform. So I would say the second half of this year, it's going to be quite hard to access capital without some sort of ESG performance or report or, or at least a roadmap for what we're going to be doing in the future. So I think I could quite confidently say by the end of this year, there's going to be some fairly um, robust procedures that need to be followed. Um, and we certainly encourage companies to get a start on it now while it's a bit more sort of lower maintenance um, before it becomes something that sort of halts business a bit while everyone's all hands on deck on ESG only. Righto. Thanks, Jim. And just, just moving ahead to the, to the next slide, um, if, you're watching, if you're watching this, um, it is ESG Training and Literacy Basic Awareness Module. There's a content page here. Um, what we're going to go through, firstly, the ESG process, um, and that's something we're, we're doing sort of regularly at the moment and, and developing as, as this sort of subject and thematic certainly develops at a rapid pace. We're, we're keeping up to date with this and um, the process of how you do ESG is something we get asked a lot. Um, then we're going to move into the audit process, so audit and roadmap perhaps. Um, then we've got ESG reporting. Uh, I think a lot of people who are interested in ESG are seeing companies coming out with their ESG reports, so we've got a few bits on that that we'd like to discuss. And then we go into some ESG learning topics. Um, we can see sort of nine topics there. Um, in each time, at each stage of this presentation, we'll be uh, looking at these sort of micro learnings. Um, and we see some in environmental, some in social and some in governance there. Um, and we're seeing, you know, a number of, I guess, that the most popular topics we get asked for. We're just going to touch on those today as well. Great. I think now we're looking at the Parvate ESG process. Um, and this is a process that we've not um, just made up on the spot. This is based on looking at best practice in, in larger organizations, smaller organizations, not-for-profits, listed companies, uh, mining supplies companies, and certainly um, access to capital through our partners at Eden Funds. Um, so this process is certainly based on an understanding of different sizes of business. Um, we see a, a sort of circular diagram that a lot of people who have um, been in business for a while will hopefully appreciate how we've, we've looked to put this together. Um, the ESG process is very much based around the, the baseline number one is around an audit and a review of, of current ESG performances or current ESG metrics that are being undertaken. Um, something to point out here that I think is really important is, is a lot of companies, when they see these metrics, they do look like there is a lot of metrics there um, and it can sometimes look a little bit overwhelming. I think something that we've been really pleased about is is a company or a group or an organization will do this initial audit and review process and then quite easily be able to capture this data when they need to and um, certainly that's been something that's been really pleasing to see a, a company become aware that they're doing ESG a bit better than what they thought and um, right. that, that's been been really pleasing at the start of this journey. It's probably fair to say this audit phase as well is, is a big part of the education uh, and, and awareness of what ESG is. Um, and so whilst we're, we're capturing information, we're also educating uh, in particular their leaders but also their staff on, on what ESG is. So it's, uh, it's not just about capturing the data, it's about educating and informing uh, the organisation as to what it really is. 
Yeah, right. Thank you. I, I, I've had a look at that ESG um, questionnaire, and I think it is very informative. So it takes uh, all levels of the organisation through a bit of a readiness uh, program, so that you you do get an understanding of what what is going to be needed or could be potentially needed in the long term. And I think that's a, that's a very important part of that process. That Q and A there um, helps people understand it, and it, and it does demystify and, and simplify where where it, where it's going, and it's not such a, an ogre. And I think you know that that sort of reporting is, is going to be very helpful, and um, that's a that's an important first step. Yeah, and and absolutely. I mean, I, I hear Paul say it a lot, and and me as well. I mean, you don't know what you don't know. Um, this process is is not just around getting some data and data and metrics. This is around understanding what it is, mm. and understanding how it can improve a business and help a business. Not just you know tie someone up in compliance for hours on end. This is this is about you know making some good uh, tangible actions and using data to back it up. So um, you know there's not much in high performance that that doesn't follow those lines. Probably worth adding it. You know, leadership within an organisation doesn't necessarily have to know everything within ESG, but they have to have a, uh, an awareness of it. And uh, you know, if we're in supporting and consulting, uh, we need their buy-in and support uh, to help assist the, the organisation uh, to then prepare, which becomes the second phase, which is the uh, roadmap and strategy phase uh, as well. Yeah, and I think just touching on the roadmap and strategy, that's that's the bit where a company can get some great value out of setting up for the future um, and I think the initial data is really important the awareness and education is really important and then it's understanding what the outcome of an organization or a group or a company would like so that you can set up a strategy and a roadmap to, to improve and, and reach these um, you know these goals it's it's basic goal setting you know you, you set a target and you do what you need to do to achieve it and um, certainly coming out of, of performance like myself and Paul have we've really noticed companies um, and execs, leaders, are, are really um, they can really buy into that, and they can understand if they see direct actions, see getting direct results, then they're they're really enjoying this process. Um, so that I mean that's the the roadmap and strategy number two part of this. Um, Just adding on that, Jim, I think it's probably worth adding that it's quite a pragmatic approach as well. Mm. Um, you know, there, there's often a little bit of fear of the unknown yes. um, with with putting a, a strategy in place. It's not about um, a pass or fail at this stage. It's about showing that you can improve and you've got a roadmap to development. Um, and you know that that may take years, uh, but that's okay as long as there's a uh, you know a defined sort of strategy that you can work towards. So uh, companies can often be quite fearful at the start of something that they don't know. Sure. Um, we try and make sure that they understand that it's about development over a period of time. Absolutely, and, and then sort of that roadmap strategy phase leads into the um, number three, which is ESG um, metrics and disclosures, and it's about executing the disclosures that, that need to be executed. And um, although ESG is not just about compliance, there is some compliance there. Um, we do need to see some tangible results. We do need to see some data. Um, the metrics that are used are often based on the outcome required. So, you know, the larger the organisation generally the more metrics that need to be achieved um, as, as a rule of thumb and you know there is a lot of different reporting standards so matching up the right reporting standards to the right stage of business is, is a really big part of this as well and certainly forms part of the strategy um, and, and I think surprisingly for a lot of people and we're going to touch on this shortly the ESG report we've got here as number four so the last part of the process um, and we'll go into a bit more detail as to why that's after 
audit, review, roadmap strategy, and then defining and deciding metrics and disclosures um, because it's a really great tool if used correctly. Excellent. And I'll just hand over to Paul here with the, the Parvate audit process. It's taken a lot of, um, I'm happy to say it's taken a lot of time and, and we've had a few versions of this as ESG as a, as a topic and as an industry has evolved um, and trying to and staying ahead of this has really sort of formed part of our baseline audit and discovery process. Yeah, thanks, Jim. I mean, as I said, you know, this is a big part of education and awareness through the audit or discovery phase. Um, and uh, in essence, you know, we're looking for a baseline position uh, for the company in, in terms of ESG metrics. Um, it provides some, some early information for us to then uh, assist with the, with the strategy formation for their ESG performance. Um, there's education involved. Um, we can also re-audit periodically as well. Um, but it gives us a reference point um, to work through in the future. Um, and it takes the fear out of the process. So once we get information, it's a lot easier to, to work through versus that unknown. Um, and these results uh, are for strategy and to develop improvement within the company. So in terms of what we do, uh, we will go in, we will, we will uh, provide the metrics, we will support through a consulting phase uh, to the organisation, work through uh, the metrics, uh, make sure that they understand them, and then basically infill uh, where the company sits in, in many of these. Uh, and from there, then it moves into the, the next phase. And I guess just, uh, you know, talking about the audit, you know, our, our metrics, where have they come from? Uh, there's, a, there's a massive corporate reporting landscape out there, uh, a number of uh, frameworks, a number of governing principal bodies. Um, we certainly have looked at many of them and we have customised our own. Uh, to one, to make it simple, but to make sure we are uh, capturing the right metrics or the right uh, items or, or, or pieces of information that we need in order to for that company to improve their ESG performance. Um, and so we have taken bits and pieces from many of the uh, uh, reporting frameworks uh, and placed it into our own reporting and sorry our auditing framework. And I think if I can just touch on that there as well, Paula, it, it's it's evolving so quickly. Um, the metrics that we used 12 months ago, they are different now. Um, and back to John, back to your point at the start, there will be a set benchmark, there will be a uniform standard for ESG reporting. It may not be for 6, 12, 18 months, but I guess when you're researching this every day, the clues are being put out there by the different organisations, and I'm, and I'm not going to go through each one of the acronyms mm, um, out, of, out of respect for the readers and listeners, but um, it's it certainly, the clues are out there. Um, a very good clue to follow is, is access to capital. The, the pension funds, the banks, they have certain criteria they need to see um, achieved in order to lend or loan money or, or access to capital. So um, we're certainly looking at that in close detail and in daily talks with, with funds. You know, we have a partner fund in-house in as well as the banks we're working with as well. So um, just to back Paul's point up there on, on the reporting metrics we use, it's, it's, it isn't that we've just made them up and, and guessed. It's very much about gaining all this information and reading so many hours of metrics and acronyms and numbers to get to a point where we can simplify it and make it as straightforward as possible to get some, some great results. Yeah, I think, and, and in Australia, it's an evolving landscape. Uh, they're probably looking very closely at what's happening in Europe. I know in 2023, which we, we've just rolled into now, um, there are specific things that they have to comply with, and I think that's probably um, the tell for us as to where things are going to land. And um, 
yeah, then as you, as you quite rightly point out, the Australian experience is, is going to uh, evolve and uh, we'll, we'll be across that as it, as it takes place, I guess. Yeah, and I think often, you know, many of the organisations have a lot of this information already, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just needs to be yep. uh, sort of extracted mm -hmm. uh, from their data and, and from their, their records, I guess, and, uh, and that, that's a good sign. Uh, then we sort of make sure that we, we've got the, the information we need to then uh, form the, the strategy and roadmap uh, from there. I guess just touching on, a, on an audit example, um, Paul, do you just want to go through sort of the, you know, we have a, it's not um, badged up with any company's information, obviously, but here's sort of one page of, of what a company may see um, as a bit of output that they get back. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, this is from the, the, the social aspect, you know, from uh, different pillars uh, or different metrics, you know, would, would include diversity and inclusion within your workforce. Um, this one shows, you know, the, the gender pay equality, is, is it there, wage levels, etc. So uh, this is just a sample from uh, the, the social pillar, if you like, and, and the workforce and how uh, that is being administered within your organisation. Um, very simply, we, it's, a, it's a starting point. Uh, for an organisation and from there you can develop and build uh, your strategy. And now we're looking at a, an ESG report. Um, as mentioned at the start, a, a lot of uh, organisations are coming out with an ESG report. Um, and just to, to look at a few reasons why, why a company may use an ESG report and, and just something to consider um, if, if you are considering that. So I think a, a really great use of an ESG report is all this... Um, this data, information, disclosures, reporting metrics, it's a way of housing this in one place that can then be seen publicly. Um, asking a, a stakeholder group or an investment group to, to look through your website, social media, various end of year accounts, things like that, it's quite difficult. But an ESG report is quite a good way of making all this information accessible publicly. Um, and just a, a, another point, ESG disclosures and metrics are about what's publicly available, not what you keep in-house. So we see a lot of companies use an ESG report to, to make sure the data they've collected and their ESG performance is transparent um, and, and it's for all to see. So ESG reporting is a great way to, to put this all in, in one area that makes it easier to follow, easier to find. Um, it goes without saying, it could be a great marketing tool as well. We, we see these reports, they do have nice pictures on them, they do show all the good the company's doing in the community, and it's absolutely fantastic to see, um, because now with the way ESG's going, you need to back that up with action as well. It, it's not just about turning up for two hours, taking a photo with, with some people in, in the jurisdiction you're mining or, or something like that. It, it's about actually making positive change. So it, it is a great way to market the company and, and all that they're doing. Um, and investors, staff and potential staff members, you know, they like to see that a company's ESG savvy. So um, certainly we'll be touching on the, on the staff internally in an organisation as well because this is a really important topic for, for a lot of people. Um, and just the last point to say, we do strongly advise a company starts with an awareness and audit process before moving into an ESG report. Um, we feel it's responsible of, of the leaders um, or board of a company to make sure that the report is going to be accurate, it's going to tell the truth, um, and it's going to be backed with data. So just making sure you understand what it is that we're going to be talking about and telling the public is really important right from the start. So un understanding what ESG is and some of the metrics we might cover might be a better way of going than commissioning an ESG report as a first step. Thank you. So 
one of the things that's uh, add, that adds value uh, to a company's ESG performance is knowing about ESG, but then also being able to filter that information throughout your organisation. One of the things that uh, we do at Parvate is is assist uh, not only with audit uh, and report, but we add value through uh, learning modules that we can facilitate and present to organisations. Probably three levels of that. We would we would look at uh, a learning module that is is tailored to executives and partners, uh, which are very much overarching modules uh, and awareness. To middle management, uh, we would also uh, be able to uh, present to them uh, and also their staff uh, as well, which is probably a little bit more extended in terms of the understanding. Ultimately, what these modules and, and learning activities do is help assist with align, alignment of understanding uh, and alignment of, of focus throughout a company. So um, that's important to us. Um, if we're going to see real change with ESG within a company, it's got to be, as we know from sport and high performance, uh, there has to be alignment throughout mm. the organisation in order for that to be effective. Um, execution is crucial within that. So you know we support with communication and collaboration on understanding these ESG topics and then what we can do about them. Uh, and, the, and then obviously it helps to review and upskill periodically over a period of time, uh, one, to keep it in the forefront of their minds, but to make sure that it is uh, a realistic goal uh, that is um, able to be achieved. So we support that as well. And I think just to just to add on to that, the, the process that's been set up there by Paul from his, his coaching and teaching background, as, as well as his understanding of ESG is um, this topic is evolving so that the review and upskill periodically um, piece of this of this process is really important um, you know in three months time we're probably going to see re- renewed strategies the government's going to come out with new climate mandates this, this is evolving you know not weekly but but certainly monthly quarterly yearly there's going to be a constant evolution of ESG as a as a topic and, and what it means to each business um, and the way that we can keep the executives or partners or principles of a company um, up to date with the micro learning um, in a small bite-sized piece understanding everyone's very busy um, and then looking at sort of middle management understanding in a bit more detail then staff being the real drivers of change because um, as I mentioned previously staff are very interested in ESG as a topic and and how it affects their lives at work but also at home so mm-hmm. trying to get really get that alignment from leadership all the way down um, throughout the organization um, and then from the organisation staff back up. Um, and we're seeing some great, um, not pushback, but certainly discussions amongst organisations where the, the board execs and staff are talking about ESG now. And it's, um, it's really pleasing for us to see the buy-in and, and seeing people consider it in their day-to-day lives in and out of work. Just a selfish question, will we get PDRs for doing this work? Yeah, and, and it, it can be a, a selfish or just an interesting question. Yes, absolutely. We're, we're working with some quite high-end organizations now um, in the legal space, accounting space, banks, um, and they're using this as professional development hours. Um, I think one, you know, one organization that will be in a following podcast, they're up to, I think, 10 hours so far of, of doing this. And um, really pleasing is they've enjoyed it. Um, so not not just compliance, not just sitting there getting told what you already know. Yep. Hopefully, an interesting way of learning something new. Good news. <laughs> so here we move into our um, first sort of micro learning module. Um, this can be done as a um, as a one off as an environmental, but certainly being a, the the really topical part of ESG 
environmental is a massive part of a, of a company's um, considerations going forward. So here we see greenhouse gas emissions. Um, anyone who's probably read much about greenhouse gas emissions in scope one, scope two and scope three emissions is probably as confused as I was at the start when we first heard this, um, you know, these different levels of emissions. Um, you know, certainly a few years ago, I just thought emissions were emissions and you counted them or you didn't. But certainly looking at this from a, um, from a way that it's measured from a compliance point of view, stakeholders, governments, and now financial institutions are really considering this to be a big part of uh, future planning and certainly part of um, part of ESG. So really simply, once again, we'll look at scope one emissions. They're, they're direct emissions, direct from source, um, controlled by the company. So we're going to use some really simple examples. So uh, transport from the combustion of fuel in a fleet vehicle owned by the company. So directly linked back to the company, directly for, for company's use. Uh, we're moving to scope two emissions. Um, which are indirect emissions, so starting to get a little bit more difficult to follow as we get down to scope two and three, um, and certainly there's going to be a constant evolution of what constitutes scope one, scope two, and scope three, um, and this could be the energy that's developed at an, at an outside facility that you use in the business. So a power station um, has a lot of emissions to produce the power that you use to turn the lights on. Um, that's going to be considered scope two and, and something that is already being considered as part of your emission statements and emission accounting um, and something to consider for the future, potential ways of capturing this. Um, and then we move into the, the murky world of scope three emissions. Um, this is becoming quite difficult for companies to measure because what we're seeing is no one wants to claim the emissions. So a lot of the time this is passed down the supply chain um, and just trying to make sure a company's aware of this going forward in the future Scope three emissions are going to be included in your, your carbon counting, your greenhouse gas emissions counting. And that could be simply your employees driving from home to work, um, which, you know, it's it's a really difficult one to get your head around as, a, as an organisation and leaders of a company. Um, but in the future and maybe not too distant future, we're going to have to account for, for things like, you know, your, your employee catches the train to work, how many people are on the train, divide it by that. And it's going to become quite difficult and, and luckily software is catching up with this but just to give a basic understanding of emissions there um, and what scope two and three means to a company it's a, a certainly it's a future consideration for some and a now consideration for others but just that initial understanding of it and being able to certainly hold that conversation around greenhouse gas emissions is something we're seeing as a really important tool for leaders of a business so we're going with uh, company issued big scooters all around it well, I'd like to think so, John. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we're going to have to account for how the battery was made. Yes, but, um, right. But of course, yeah, I think we, uh, I think we get on the battery scooter. Certainly, you'd look good on that. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. <laughs> and I think just, just swiftly moving into um, uh, on the same subject, I guess, as emissions. So a TCFD, first acronym of the day. Uh, the TCFD is a Task Force for Climate Related Financial Disclosures, and this essentially is a. Um, to not simplify it too much, this is a framework organisation use to uh, look at the future risks of climate related um, issues that can have on the business. So we'll divide it into two different subsets. So there's the actual physical um, risk to a company from climate change that could be floods, heating, um, various other um, issues that we're seeing with climate change uh, out there at the moment. So that I mean the, the obvious one is the, is the heat and the flooding and the weather. Um, so, uh, for example, your 
as a business, you have, a, you have an office near the coast and the coastline's eroding. Um, you need to consider the future impacts on the business of the potential insurance going up because of that um, and also the physical harm that it may do. Um, and then we look at the transition into a low carbon economy. It's, it's not going to be cheap. We're seeing that it's becoming more expensive to do business. Certainly in the Northern Hemisphere, energy costs are going up. I think in Australia, they're certainly going up as well. So we need to consider the financial impacts of, of climate change in the future. You know, forward-looking accounts are gonna to have to account for a certain percentage of increased operating costs. Um, there's certain bits of business we can't do because it's gonna to produce too many emissions. So the climate-related risks, um, the TCFD process is well-developed and well-used worldwide. Um, our certainly our opinion here at, at Parvate ESG is this is going to be a really important um, subsection of ESG is, is this TCFD and, and certainly looking at, at risk um, in, in all aspects of the business, this is probably quite an important one to consider for leaders of a company. Um, so this slide, the TCFD slide, if, if you're watching um, or looking at this, it, it gives just a, a really nice simple explanation of, of the risk and whether it's a potential financial impact whether it's a physical risk or whether it's a, a risk of the, the changing economy and changing legislation. Yeah, in terms of a, an example of a learning module for the social pillar, uh, one, one learning module or, or area that we look at is uh, psychological safety and risk mitigation. Uh, one thing that, that has changed dramatically within legislation uh, in the past year or so, and obviously on the back of COVID, uh, psychological safety ha has has risen, uh, but legislatively, um, it's up to 50% of the work health and safety now is uh, in regards to psychological safety, whereas previously it's probably 80-90% physical. Uh, the the psychological pieces has risen dramatically, so it has a, a massive uh, weight within an organisation to make sure that they have a uh, you know a risk strategy in t in place for their psychological safety and and minimising uh, psychological hazards within an organisation. Uh, psychosocial hazards, you know, the, the, the workplace interactions, are anything in the design or management of, of work that increases the, the risk of work-related stress. So stress is the thing that we're trying to minimise, um, uh, and that, that's an important piece. So the, uh, the healthier, the, the, the wellness piece for our staff is going to be crucially important going forward. It's not just about minimising the hazards, but we, we actually try to uh, encourage uh, a better wellness within an organisation as well. Um, and as an example, uh, you know, some of the stats show that uh, you know, the, the financial cost of um, losing people in terms of absenteeism from work due to stress can be exorbitant. Um, and a you know, number of weeks away from work and you're having to, you know, sort of cover. So there's a lot of factors uh, that also attribute to um, the performance of a company in terms of the psychological safety of their, their staff. Uh, interestingly, uh, you know, the stats show that uh, women uh, at the moment um, uh, report more uh, of, than men, which is maybe something that people mm. might expect. And, and, you know, we can... You can, you can discuss what the reasons why that might be, but the reality is uh, there is more reporting uh, of, of uh, mental illness uh, and mental health being a concern within organisations. And so uh, one of the parts of that social pillar is to how, how we support our staff from a psychological wellness perspective. And I think just to jump in here and, and having sat through um, a number of times 
seeing Paul deliver this to, to management groups, boards of directors and, and partnership groups. It's been a really um, eye-opening sort of session or, or lesson for, for, these, for these people in these groups. And there's been a huge amount of engagement um, and not only to see the risks and to make sure that they're keeping their current staff healthy and happy and, and obviously increasing performance, it also, if, if a group or organisation is taking this seriously, it's certainly a way of attracting staff as well um, and making sure you're a, work, a workplace of choice. Um, and as we're seeing in the market at the moment, um, we want ESG to be a little bit about performance as well, obviously. And if we're an organisation that takes this seriously, we're going to find attracting and retaining staff a, a really key part of this. Um, and just for anyone watching or, or listening to this, the, psycho, the psychological safety and risk mitigation um, module um, that will be released shortly is certainly something I'd encourage anyone to look at um, and it goes into a bit more of a, a deeper dive into some of these topics and explains them in a bit more detail. Very good. And here we sort of, the, la the last pillar for today um, is on governance. Um, like I said at the start, we see governance certainly as leadership, um, ethics and, and a number of other things. Governance can mean a number of different uh, a number of different things to different organisations and different people. Um, I guess the topic today that we've we've chosen is is around diversity and inclusion. Um, we see on the side here, if you're watching, a lot of these are linked to the Sustainable Development Goals, the UN's SDGs. Um, you have another acronym, um, and we're seeing a, a, the, the point is to reduce inequalities uh, and to make sure. Um, whether that's gender, whether that's race, whether that's uh, identification, whether that's um, religious affiliation, but also where you sit within an organisation, um, whether you're a leader, whether you're a staff member, whether you're a manager, sort of your social identity, professional identity. It's not just about male, female and race only. This is very much, um, it's, a, it's a diversity of thought and it's, and it's to be inclusive so that everyone can feel like they're uh, welcome in an environment, but also like they're being listened to in an environment as well. Um, they're being respected, they feel connected to each other in the organisation, and they have a chance of progressing as much as anyone else. So I think I mean, my, my view and certainly shared throughout Parvate before sort of Paul jumps in and, and adds into this, um, this is not just about male, female or race identification or, or you know, it, it isn't as simple as that. Um, Diversity and inclusion is very much about everyone feeling like they have an equal chance of, um, of you know, developing through the organisation and they're being heard as much as anyone. Um, and we certainly encourage a diversity of thought um, as much as, as any other organisation because that's how we're going to improve. So um, Paul may have a bit more of a um, strategic view of that or certainly a bit more direct way of explaining it, but, but just to sort of our, our feelings on it and our views on it are, are very much around um, including and, and promoting. I think a, a simple example is a, you know, a more diverse board uh, will contain a broader uh, range of knowledge within them uh, and an awareness, and thus they, they have the, a better chance of making uh, more informed and aware decisions than a, than a less diverse board. So uh, I think that gives a good example of why that's beneficial to, to organisations. Uh, increasing creativity, innovation, different thoughts uh, is an important part for improving performance within an organisation. And, and certainly, you know, a criticism of ESG at the start, um, you know, the, the term greenwashing around environmental claims that weren't met or, or just making rogue statements that had no background. Certainly the, the criticism was around the, the same with diversity as well. It was 
seen as tokenism to put certain um, different types of people on a board, but it, but it's just not um, it's just not appropriate or acceptable to do that. It it's really is around the performance of of the board and and making sure that if we are adding people from diverse and, and a wide range of backgrounds, we're setting them up to succeed and setting them up some su- support around them. Um, certainly at, at Parvate, we we believe strongly in that, and and a lot of the the previous topic that Paul mentioned on on psychosocial safety as well that that you know that links into this topic as well and um, as you can tell we're, we're very passionate about it and we see some great great improvements when when people get this right I just wanted to jump in there as well I think the European examples as well show where, where they're very far along this path compared to Australia um, measure the board's performance measure the board's performance against their um, ESG targets um, there's a lot of um, metrics and, and measurement um, both from internal or from various stakeholders that, that measure up against these things as well. So this is not just an arbitrary, uh, let's have a bit of a board matrix here and, and pick out a few uh, cherry picks and things off. This is uh, in a larger organisation in, in the uh, European, and I think there's 50,000 organisations that are currently reporting into this. Mm. Uh, there are a lot of metrics, there are a lot of measurements, there's a lot of external input into this. So this is a, a much more stringent and I don't know whether that's going to evolve into the Australian landscape or not, uh, but that's that's certainly the way that it's evolved over there, and especially in the uh, international companies. And I think it's it's very interesting to see um, what they use in terms of policy development, measuring back to, and and how this this all works. And I, and I think that's a really important part of the process. Also, you know, anti-corruption, money laundering, all those sorts of things. All those policies and everything need to be in place, and and that's uh, that's a big deal. And I think that's that's. Uh, um, certainly the, the best case example of how those things should work. Absolutely agree, yeah, and, and, and you're right, it is developing and it will continue to develop mm. and, and we need to keep up with it. So just looking at a few future topics and, and some of our other um, sort of micro-learning modules, um, certainly want to highlight a, a few here. So, I mean, I think ESG slash green finance, um, there's no doubt finance is being linked to ESG, we're seeing sustainable investments, we're seeing ESG funds, we're seeing pension funds unable to invest in companies that aren't doing ESG. So we've, we've got a, a bit of a deeper dive into the ESG green finance world um, and we're, we're fortunate to have um, experts in this field in-house who will be coming on um, and going into quite a bit of detail here and, and certainly that's a big part of our, um, our mandate as, as an organisation is, is to bring the absolute best we can to this podcast and our learning modules. Um, we're looking at ESG and purpose that um, I think we've we've really successfully ingrained through a few of our, our clients and a few of our partners, um, and, and Paul goes into a lot more detail there. Employee wellbeing we've touched on today, and, and we have a, a deeper dive and a bit more detail there. Um, occupational health and safety, mind safety management, things like that can all fall under ESG, and, and we have an expert in this field who's who's worked with a number of our partners and clients too. Um, the carbon market, carbon literacy, um, as a group at, at Parvate, we've done the course ourselves, um, as well as sort of obviously further reading and, and further information on that. And we have access to specialists in the carbon field as well. Um, the renewables slash energy efficiency, um, one of our partner firms uh, is, is a worldwide leader in, in renewables in Gale Tech Energy based out of Ireland and, and working through the EU as well as Australia. So a nice, um, a nice introduction from them as well. Um, and then just looking at ESG litigation, 
So, you know, as I mentioned, greenwashing is a big concern um, and is something that's very, very topical in the media at the moment. We have an ESG litigation specialist um, from, from Perth who is going to talk to that in, in more detail. Um, but certainly we've delivered a, an online learning and an in-person learning module with him. And it was fascinating. Also fascinating to deliver anything to lawyers because you get questioned very stringently and it's, it's great for our own development. So there's just a few topics um, that we, we've covered already and, and that we talk about day to day. Um, and we have specialists and partners who, who really come in from a high-end perspective here and, and equally share the passion we have we have for this. So, um, yeah, I mean, please, please feel free to, to look at the, at the menu and, and, and choose as much of that as you can because it, it's all interesting stuff. It's broken down into some smaller bite-sized pieces and, and then we have the option of deep diving as well. Right. Okay. Um, thanks, Jim. Thanks, Paul, for your chat today. Uh, I hope that's uh, helped you on your the, the beginning of your ESG journey. Uh, please leave any comments or questions you have uh, with us. We will um, put the uh, links to the information in the boxes below, and uh, happy to feedback and take further questions if you think there's uh, things that you would like to know more about or uh, if you have any ways for improvement, um, we're open to feedback. And uh, please subscribe to our uh, podcast and um, we hope to uh, chat to you again soon. Thanks very much. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. The content of this podcast is intended to be general in nature and is not personal financial product advice. It does not address the circumstances of any individual or entity. You should not construe any of this information or other part of the material as legal, tax, investment, financial or other professional advice. Parvate is not a financial advisor. You should consider seeking independent legal, financial, taxation or other advice to check how any information relates to your unique circumstances. Nothing contained in the podcast constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement or offer by Parvate or any third-party service provider to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments. In this or any other jurisdiction in which solicitation or offer would be unlawful under the securities laws of such jurisdiction.